Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to another solo episode of the Third Eye Awakening podcast, wherein I will be talking to you about starseeds and galactic groups and more on the structural model of the universe as I have been shown through the psychic downloads I receive, as well as through my exploration within the Akashic Records. Truth time, I <laughs> recorded take one of this episode last week, which is why this episode is coming out late. And it was way harder than I was anticipating because I know this stuff back to front. Like I know what I'm talking about, but man, does it get challenging to talk about these more abstract concepts and not just reuse the same words over and over and over again in a way that's actually very confusing. So it wasn't a very good episode and I believe that you deserve better. Therefore, I took the time and it took quite a lot of time to organize my thoughts and put them down uh, into words. So this might sound a little like I'm reading a script because I am, but I wrote the script myself. (laughs) And it has to be that way so that this information can be presented with clarity. But I'm really excited to share it with you. Okay, before I dive in though, I just want to take the tiniest moment to clarify something that I said um, in the last episode, which is that I stated that back in my mid-20s, I was living in my small hometown and I was working as a waitress and that I was bored to tears. And when I re-listened to that episode, That part made me cringe a little bit because I felt like I didn't provide the proper context around like making that statement. And it could sound like the work of waitressing is what bored me to tears. That is not what I meant at all. In fact, I really love service work. (laughs) I like my, some of my favorite jobs were working as a personal support worker slash nurse's aide in a, an old folks like nursing home as well as working as a cleaner. I love cleaning toilets. I love making beds. I love vacuuming. I love dusting. Like I just fucking love it. And I love, um, I love nannying and I love waitressing. So it wasn't about the work at all whatsoever. It was about the fact that I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with my life, but I felt very much like I was supposed to be doing something. And because I was kind of immature and a little bit of a whiner at the time, at that point in my life, I made the bizarre choice to move back to my small hometown, which again, like I have nothing against my hometown and I love small towns, small town girl forever. I technically live like in a rural area on the outskirts of a city, if you can call it that. It's like got 20,000 people. It just feels like a big small town. Um, so it's not, you know, it, I just made, I made the bizarre choice to, not pursue options that could have held some juice and magic for me. I I just, 
I felt frustrated because I knew that I had a soul mission but of course like by when I say I know like none of that is verified and nobody else seemed to have this conviction and so I felt a little bit like I was also cuckoo bananas but I just it felt so strong within me I couldn't shake it this sense that I had a fucking reason to be here and there was something I was supposed to fulfill and I had no idea what it was and so I kind of played the victim card, even though I didn't realize I was doing that at the time. And I was just like, fine, I'm going to move back to my small town where none of my friends live anymore. And I have no, you know, romantic interest. And I'm just going to work as a waitress. And that's what made me feel bored to tears. Okay. Just want to clarify that. Love the work of waitressing. Love providing like premium service to people. Okay. Moving on to the actual topic of this podcast episode, before I really and truly dive in, I'm going to give um, a little caveat, which is that this information is based on my own experiences and what I have found in the Akashic Records. It's not based on anybody else's work, and as such, the way that I present it might differ from the way that other people talk about dimensions and timelines and things like that. And I'm not saying that I'm right and they're wrong at all. I'm also not saying that they're right and I'm wrong. I don't think that's actually how it works. I don't think it's like that at all. I think that all of us who feel called to explore these things and then try to describe them, we are trying to describe the virtually indescribable. And the conscious mind tries to organize it so that it makes sense. And our conscious mind um, will organize it in a way that may be different from the way that somebody else's conscious mind organizes it. For example, in this whole thing and anywhere, I don't talk about the densities. Although I understand the densities, when I hear other people talk about them, I understand what they're referring to. Um, But And I think that it's maybe from the book, The Law of One. I'm not 100% certain. I have not read The Law of One and I feel like not called to read it. Like I feel very clearly called to not read it. I think it's so that I don't have crossover contamination, if that makes sense. Not because it's not a, a good book to read, but for me, it's a very clear, do not read this book. Don't even open it. Don't even look at it. Um, but anyways, so people talk about densities, wherever that came from, but like, I don't even know. I like I hear people talk about the density level five and the third dimension and things like that. And I'm like, I I get it, but I also have no idea in the sense that I'm not that's not how it's being shown to me. So I really can't speak to it. I do not want to just regurgitate work that other people have done to bring this information through, it's very important to me that I tell you what I personally have discovered and the way that it is presented to me and the way that it makes sense and the way my conscious mind organizes it. And that being said, they're not necessarily wrong, the people who talk about densities. It's just that they're getting that information and that's not how I understand it or explain it. They aren't wrong. I'm not wrong. We're all just doing our best to describe huge concepts. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case it confuses you to hear conflicting structures of the universe. I definitely don't want you to feel any kind of sense of like 
you have to choose between one um, body of work or one person's explanation and another person's. It's you get to take what truly resonates with you and piece it together, piece your own puzzle together so that you can understand the puzzle from your own, you know, your own experience, your own activations, your own clarity. Okay. So caveat aside, first, let's lay the foundation of this conversation by talking about the difference between timelines, the dimensions, and the different layers of the astral plane. Timelines are exactly what you'd think they are, a linear unfolding of sequential events. We see this in the way that historians present the sequence of events in our collective human history. Like, let's say 6,000 BCE, a certain event occurred, and so that's on the timeline. And then farther along the line, in 4200 BCE, an ancient site was built. And then farther along from that, in 100 AD, something else happens, and so on. Parallel timelines are talking about parallel Earth realities, so different lines with different sequences of events. For example, a different version of Amy, born to different parents, or the same parents, but as an only child, whereas in this timeline I actually have two sisters, or a version of Amy who had a pivotal event occur that didn't occur in this timeline that I am currently living and speaking to you from. So even though I am still Amy in all of those timelines, all of these Amys live a different life, and so Amy develops different personality traits, characteristics, different beliefs, creates a different life for herself, etc. As far as I can tell, there are infinite parallel timelines for each one of us. Not only that, but there are diff- there are infinite parallel timelines for each of us in each incarnation we experience. So every past life that you have ever had also has infinite different parallel timelines. Um <laughs> it becomes a lot. Every future incarnation has different parallel timelines, infinite different parallel timelines. And likewise, there are infinite parallel timelines for humanity as a collective. Now, I also believe, based on what I've been shown, that the timelines for the human collective are in the process of collapsing into each other as they merge to become a single main timeline. But that's a different topic for a different podcast entirely. So hopefully you're tracking so far. Multiple timelines, parallel timelines, like same character or same human collective, but different sequences of events different ways that they play out. We can and do shift between our own parallel timelines. We do this like very frequently. And we tend to do this shifting at a certain natural, um, at certain natural junction points 
where it's like multiple timelines crisscross over each other. The parallel timelines aren't running like exactly parallel. They're more like threads woven through each other in a complex, rich tapestry. So, you know, you're basically, let's just take that analogy. Let's say that there's a tapestry and it's comprised of, you know, countless threads. The thread that is you is not just one thread. There are many threads that are you. So let's say your name is Greg and you're listening to this podcast episode right now. Greg, you have the thread that you're living out right now. That's one timeline and you're aware of this timeline because you're in it. But you also have many different threads and they are not, they're basically what I'm saying is they're not completely like parallel to each other all the time, like completely separate. They weave in and out of each other. They crisscross at certain points. And so we tend to do timeline shifting at those natural junction points where the timelines, our timelines crisscross over each other. Sometimes we'll recognize it as a major choice point, like a fork in the road. Like, do I marry this person? Like say somebody proposes to you and you have a choice to make. Yes, I say yes to this person or I say no. Or maybe you get pregnant and, you know, the there's the question of like, should I keep this baby or should I give this baby up for adoption or should I end the pregnancy or, you know what I mean? Like we all, we all have those obvious major choice points, those big forks in the road in our lives. So we, we recognize timeline shifting in that guise. But also we do a form of timeline shifting that is much more subtle and we don't necessarily fully clock that it's happening on a conscious level. Like we shift gently into a parallel timeline and just keep going as though we were always on that timeline because the, the, it's almost like we shift, like those crisscross points are almost like thin spots. When that happens, it's like, that's when we tend to notice weird things that feel like matrix glitches. So like your doorknob suddenly turning the opposite way, like you go to turn it to the right and it doesn't work that way. And you're like, you know, freaking out and like messing with it for a while. And then you try turning it to the left and that's what opens your door. And you're like, what? Like, You know, it's not like you were mentally, consciously aware before that like, oh yes, my doorknob turns to the right. It's more like a muscle memory that you have. And it's enough to stand out to you when you've shifted timelines and all of a sudden your doorknob turns in a different way and you feel like slightly crazy because apparently you can't even figure out how to open a door. Um, (laughs) another, uh, Another example is like, If you have a strong memory of something that occurred, um, but when you share it with others who should remember the same event, they swear it never happened. It's like little telltale signs like that. We definitely do not want to fuck with quantum leaping to vastly different parallel timelines. Like, you know, I just held the manifestation boot camp in the autumn. So I am not against quantum leaping. I talk about it. I think it like, I know it happens because I freaking experienced it several times. And I've also witnessed other people experience it. That being said, even the quantum leaps that we make must be to timelines that 
are similar enough to the timeline we're on right now that we can handle it. We can mentally handle it. We do not want to fuck with quantum leaping to vastly different parallel timelines, even within our own current incarnation, because if the difference is too extreme, our psyche would fracture. Now, you do whatever you want to do as a grown-ass adult, okay? But here's a solid word of advice that I personally take very seriously. Do not try to mess with things that you have not mentally, emotionally, and energetically prepared yourself for. Such as quantum leaping to random other timelines, even within your own incarnation. Like, it is all well and good to watch um, shows or movies or read books about characters jumping through portals into, into alternate timelines and alternate astral realms. But in reality, make no mistake, that shit would fuck with us so hard that we would likely have a complete psychotic break and potentially never fully recover. It always like makes me laugh as I watch these shows. I love them, by the way, like watch them, watch them. I watch them, but it makes me laugh as I'm watching them and these characters just like quantum leap into a different reality and they more or less take it in stride. (laughs) Like they have a moment where they're like, whoa, this is intense or like, you know, they puke or they're like, where am I? But they carry on more or less as if like they quickly recover basically and just keep going. And I I just, it makes me laugh because I'm like, Oh my God, our psyches are so fragile. That is not how it would go. You would not have, you would not just need a moment and then carry on. You slash me, like I say this to myself, the, I'm not trying to jump anywhere that I am not prepared to go. I know my psyche would fragment if I went to a reality, even like within this current incarnation, if I jumped too far um, to a more distant parallel timeline for myself I I wouldn't handle it and I believe that's true um, for most of us so I mean honestly I suspect that a lot of people who are institutionalized for any length of time for certain types of mental illness such as um, psychosis or schizophrenia a lot of them are people whose filters malfunction for whatever reason and they cross between timelines and realms that they're not actually trying to do or prepared for which is why I think like you know um it's recognized that LSD at least I'm not sure I think it's true for mushrooms too possibly cannabis but I know it's for sure true for LSD um heavy use of LSD can and does trigger uh like the manifestation of schizophrenia and you could say that it's because of some genetic predisposition and I haven't done the science, okay? I, like I haven't done, I'm not a researcher. I'm not going to, I don't have fucking time for that. But on an intuitive level, I call bullshit on that. I don't think that it's that people are walking around with some like secret ticking time bomb genetic predisposition to schizophrenia. I'm sure that's true for some cases. But I think a lot of it is because your filters are messed with. We all have filters and we want these filters, believe me. Believe me, you want these filters. We want the gradual process of softening these filters um, or dropping them so that we can s- like see, so to speak, more of what's actually all always here. 
but we also need these filters in place. It's necessary. And so when people, like whether it's a drug-induced experience of psychosis or schizophrenia, or it is like um, just, I don't know, like it just happens, I think what for whatever reason, the chemicals in somebody's brain causes a malfunction of their filters, their conscious mind filters, and they are able to cross between timelines and realms or see things that they're not supposed to see. It's very confusing. They can have like one foot. Like I know technically our bodies only have two feet, but you believe me, you can have like three different feet, like one in one reality, one in another and one in another. And how confusing is that? Because your brain tells you, you only have two feet. It's, it's so much. So I think that's what's happening a lot of the time. And then we obviously, you know, the medical system doesn't really explore and that as a possibility in a mainstream kind of way where like most practitioners aren't taking that seriously although I think that's changing and also we really need like that's a big case for mentorship is if we're doing these intense explorations it's really helpful to have mentorship somebody who gets it and who you can share this information with like an experience you've had or the fears that you have without being afraid that you're going to be basically like sanctioned that you're going to be institutionalized and people are going to jump to conclusions and freak out. Anyway, I digress. So that's timelines. Parallel timelines, parallel linear sequences of events for a given incarnation um, or for a given, like for the human collective. Okay, so then let's talk about the dimensions now. So a Netflix series called VOA is a great example of jumping between parallel timelines. It is an awesome show. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many codes in this show, codes upon codes about like, when I say codes, I mean like understandings, puzzle pieces about how reality works. So I love this show. However, in the show, they refer to these parallel timelines as dimensions, like they're moving between the dimensions. But, but from what I've been shown, this is an, it's an inaccurate use of the term dimension. In the show, The OA, they are moving between earth realities. They are moving between parallel timelines. Dimensions are not earth realities, and they have completely different sets of rules, so to speak. So, you know, if we're talking about a show of like jumping between dimensions that it would look very different. You would not be jumping into a different parallel timeline of your current incarnation. You would be shifting into a whole other realm that is utterly and totally mind-blowingly different from what you know as life on earth. So not only are they not shifting between dimensions in that show, which is otherwise an amazing example of timeline shifting, but like, in fact, the dimensions are not locations at all. They aren't anywhere. They are everywhere. They are more like levels of consciousness. 
in a way, they can be seen as hierarchical because to a degree, they kind of like build on each other. But that isn't to imply that the higher dimensions are better than the lower dimensions. Like the 10th dimension isn't better than the third dimension. That's a human way of understanding things. And it really isn't applicable in this case. For the sake of simplicity, we could say that all the parallel timelines exist along the x-axis or the horizontal axis of a graph, and the dimensions exist along the y-axis or the vertical axis. Here is where it becomes hard for us to understand because we're currently incarnated in a physical dimension and this is the only physical dimension. I'm not saying that this is the only physical world or the only physical realm, but the third dimension is the only physical dimension. None of the other dimensions are physical. And so we tend to think of rules like the rules of physics. And that's not really what I mean when I talk about the dimensions having different rules. In a way, you could think of them as like as octaves, um, sort of like octaves on a piano keyboard. And the higher up you go, the higher and more refined the energy becomes. But because humans tend to perceive things in terms of hierarchies of better or worse, we then sometimes have a tendency to think that the higher dimensions are better um, or even like using the word I chose, more refined. It's like we just can't help but automatically assume that more refined means better but those are just value judgments that are byproducts of our human consciousness and our human experience and also the way that we're programmed to see things here. And it's not objectively true. Every dimension is incredible. So yeah, it's kind of like the dimensions are stacked on top of each other along this vertical axis. Each dimension is a different octave, like on a piano keyboard, and therefore it produces different results you could say a different quality of reality is created at the level of let's say the sixth dimension versus the eighth dimension again i know this is abstract af but just to be clear on this the takeaway is that the dimensions are not locations they are octaves of consciousness the higher the dimension the faster the vibrational rate of consciousness slash energy. For now, I'm not going to go into a description of each dimension because that would take forever. But if you love this kind of thing, you will love Into the Akasha because that is where I teach about it extensively. So finally, let's get into the different layers of the astral plane. The astral plane is the fourth dimension. Y'all, this is where the party is happening. The party. All the parties. All the realms. All of them are here in the astral. There are different layers in the astral which correspond to the different dimensions. The parallel earth timelines that exist along the horizontal x-axis of our universe graph 
are existing within the third and fourth astral layers, along with all other non-Earth physical worlds, because there are other physical worlds, not just Earth. So let me give you kind of some examples. <clears throat> Let me take it out of graph math world. It's not real math, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and attach it to star seeds. So the Pleiadian realms, and I say that plurally because believe me, there are many. The Pleiadian realms are existing along their own horizontal axis within the fifth to seventh astral layers. Just as a side note, this is hard for me, you guys, because it gets so much more complex and I desperately want to dive deeper into the complexities, but then we would get lost in the weeds and so I am keeping myself on track, but it's very hard. Okay, long suffering. (laughs) So I'm going to repeat what I said before. The Pleiadian realms are existing along their own horizontal axis within the fifth to seventh astral layers. So our axis, our horizontal x-axis, would be below the horizontal axis of the Pleiadian realms. Along our axis is where all of our parallel timelines are running. Along the axis above ours associated with the Pleiadian realm, all of their parallel timelines are running. Essentially, a great analogy to understand what I'm saying is that if the dimensions were the entire electromagnetic spectrum, all the way from radio waves to gamma rays, then the astral would be the visible light section of that spectrum. And as we know, the visible light section is further broken down into the colors of the rainbow. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not tracking, this would be a perfect time to um, do a search on the electromagnetic spectrum. You'll see what I mean. So the dimensions are the whole entire electromagnetic spectrum. The astral is the visible light section of that spectrum. So similar to the visible light section, the astral plane has different layers to it. It's kind of like the different colors in the visible light section. And I have to admit, it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that all of the planets or worlds or realms or whatever words we use of our universe exist in the astral. And the NASA model of space which I believe has some truth and a lot of intentional deception woven into it, but it's the you know main model we all were raised to believe in. Um, it is a model that represents the astral, which solves the gigantic conundrum I had forever of like, what are these ships? Why do we need ships? Because I understand and ex- experience the dimensions... <sighs> in such a way, like they're so accessible to me that I'm like, why would I need to go on a ship? That seems so bizarre. Now I'm like, oh, because it's all playing out in the astral. And the astral is time and space. Okay. 
So that's the foundation for the rest of this podcast episode, which is going to be about star seeds and different galactic groups. Timelines are different from dimensions and the astral layers are correspondent to the dimensions, but the timelines play out in the astral layers. All of our starseed groups and our galactic groups exist within the astral plane. And the greater astral plane is the fourth dimension. In a sense, we're all fourth dimensional beings. But at the same time, we are multidimensional beings because our consciousness is not restricted to the fourth dimension. Hence my confusion as to why we would need like ships to get anywhere. Because our consciousness is not restricted. It can travel freely through all the dimensions, anytime, all the astral planes, anytime. But our bodies, like our lifetimes, our bodies, our incarnations, so to speak, they are playing out through the fourth dimension. And just to be as crystal clear as I can possibly be, hopefully, (laughs) the astral plane is the fourth dimension and the fourth dimension is time. It is time and space. So the third dimension is everything that is physically manifested here. But the fourth dimension is that influential factor that allows everything physical to evolve. So like to help it make sense on a grounded level on the, in the world that we live in, you could say like a plant grows over time. You plant a seed, it germinates, sprouts, grows into something and flowers bloom and then they decay and fall off. A rock erodes over time. We all go through massive personal transformation as we live out our storylines, our timelines, and our dramas. All of this is the fourth dimension, the astral. So all of the starseed experiences that we have, we're having them in the astral, but the different astral planes are connected to different dimensions, like Mostly we talk about higher dimensions, um, but different dimensions. So when I say that a Pleiadian being is a fifth to seventh dimensional being, what I mean is that they are existing in the fifth, sixth, and seventh astral planes. That's where their realms are. That's where their bodies are. That's where they have their incarnation experiences but the fifth sixth and seventh astral planes are ruled by the fifth sixth and seventh dimensions of consciousness because 5d is such a buzz term i will go into it a little bit the fifth dimension of consciousness is the dimension of unity consciousness within the experience of separation So we still have our own individual bodies and our own individual perspectives and our own individual agenda or journey or path, but we're all connected through our heart. Like my heart is directly and irrevocably connected to yours. And we're all consciously aware of this. 
in fifth dimensional consciousness, in a fifth dimensional realm. We're all connected at the heart and we're all totally consciously aware that this is the case. So your pain is my pain. My pain is your pain. I couldn't say or do anything to harm you or cause you pain because I would feel that pain as if it is my own because it is my own because we are connected through the heart. So even though we're having an individual experience, I have as much investment in the quality of your experience as I do in my own, which totally changes the way that I, like it changes my agenda, right? And the way that I move through my incarnated reality at the fifth dimensional level. And we're all existing like that. All of us in the, like in the Pleiadian realm, that is the way it is. That's how we all exist. Like we are aware of ourselves as being like individual cells that comprise one great organism. So we are individual, yet we are the same being. It isn't just kumbaya, hippie, campfire bullshit. It is like an integrated understanding that forms the paradigm of our societies, I guess you could say. Obviously, that's not the case here on Earth because we are in the process of shifting to that, but we have not been integrated in that consciousness. We are deep in the experience of separation so much so that we are cut off from each other. So, you know, theoretically I can hurt you and not feel your pain that, I mean, I would definitely on an empath level, I would feel your pain, but you know, it's very like, that's what we can do. We have the ability to hurt each other and put up a wall so that we don't feel the other person's experience of that interaction. That's, that is the level of consciousness we're at on earth. We're shifting to the fifth dimensional level of consciousness and it's, it's a messy process. It's messy to get there. And when we look at how messy and painful it is on earth, that's where it feeds into the idea that there is like a hierarchy of better than or worse than within the dimensions. Because if they're like, it sounds like the fifth dimension is better than the third dimension, but that's, again, we think that as humans, it's not objectively true. Another side note, this is why there are so many empaths here on earth. Because that's the direction we are headed, and empaths are trailblazers. Okay, so the fifth astral plane is ruled by that fifth dimension of consciousness, and therefore it produces a different result. The vibrational rate of the consciousness and the energy of the fifth dimension is faster, it's higher, and it produces a different result. The fifth dimensional level of consciousness changes how an entire realm unfolds in the fifth astral plane. Now let's take the example of ninth dimensional consciousness, the Arcturians. So the Arcturians, as I have found, are ninth and tenth dimensional consciousness. They, you know, they are not restricted to that. They extend far beyond that. 
But that is sort of the ninth, especially, is where they're, you could say, where they're from. Again, the dimensions are not locations. They are levels of consciousness to which we all have access. So the Arcturians, they have access, as I said, to all those dimensions, and they utilize all the dimensions. But I could say that the place on the vertical axis of the dimensions that they emanate from is the ninth dimension. So they emerge from the ninth dimensional consciousness and they come down together into the astral plane and they incarnate in the astral plane. And they incarnate with the template of that ninth dimensional consciousness. And they incarnate in the ninth astral layer. So that's where their world is because that's what matches the template of their consciousness, which is ninth dimensional. And the ninth astral layer is going to be arranged in a completely different way from the astral layer that we are in. Like the realms that are terraformed, the bodies that are created, the societies that are created, the technology, the customs, the traditions, the wisdom and knowledge collections that are created in the ninth astral layer of an Arcturian realm will be utterly and totally different in so many ways from the fifth dimensional consciousness of the Pleiadian realm, which is manifested in the fifth astral layer. Hopefully you're tracking. Hopefully the way that I'm explaining it is making sense. It's at least definitely better than the first time I I tried to do it. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop talking about the astral layers and the dimensions and whatever. And I'm going to start sort of like talking more about starseeds and the galactic groups themselves and give a little brief rundown of some of the ones that I see more commonly. Because of course, there are so freaking many. But we commonly see Pleiadians. Well, I commonly, I mean, I I think a lot of People who do this work do commonly see these ones too, but I commonly see Pleiadians, Syrians, and Lyrans. Those are the ones that I see the most often, and Pleiadians and Syrians by far making up the bulk of those. We hear about the Arcturians. I see a small number of Arcturians. They are here, but there are are fewer of them. Um, who else do we commonly hear about? Oh, sometimes we hear about the Orions. I have I have encountered like people from the vast, again, the many worlds of the Orion star system. Um, we hear a lot about the reptilians, don't we? Which are a very varied and diverse group. Uh, the Draco. We hear about the Draco. I've seen the Draco. The Andromedans. I actually... I see a lot of Andromedans. I don't think there are necessarily a lot of Andromedans here as starseeds or incarnated, but I see them a lot. It's different. Like there's a difference between being a starseed and then having like connecting with a higher dimensional galactic aspect of yourself. But (laughs) 
maybe I'll talk about that more a little bit down the line. Okay, so those are mostly the ones that we hear about, mostly the ones that I've seen. Um, like I said, I mainly see Pleiadians and Syrians. And all of these are extremely, like all of the Pleiadians, all of the Syrians are extremely varied and diverse groups, especially the Pleiadians. Like there are many, many different Pleiadians. For example, some podcast episodes ago when I said that I am Faye, by Faye, I mean F-A-E, I mean like the Faye folk. They have now been reduced to a concept called fairies, but there is a difference between fae and fairies. I believe that the fae are Pleiadian, but they could also be Syrian too. There do seem to be some connections between the fae and the Syrians. Um, the the fae that I belong to are a group of Pleiadians. That's what resonates as true. It's like everything kind of all of a sudden started to make sense back in November, like a whole bunch of random puzzle pieces came together to fill in the picture for me. Um, and it all resonates as true in my heart and my whole entire being. I've always felt connected to the Pleiadians, always known I'm a Pleiadian, and I've always, always, always known that I'm Fae. You can totally disagree with me or feel skeptical if you want. You're totally allowed to do that. But that is what resonates for me as claircognizant truth. Okay, so there are many different expressions of the Pleiadian group, many different expressions of the Syrian group, many different expressions of the Lyran group, and so on and so forth. I would say the least varied one that I have ever seen is the Arcturians. They seem pretty, like, I don't know, like, pretty uniform in a way. My guide is Arcturian, P.S. So that's how I know. And then my oldest son is Arcturian. I have a former client who is Arcturian and I'm convinced that John Frusciante is Arcturian. I can't, like again, that part is speculation because I've never met him in like the physical person um, sense of the word. So, you know, I am it, it has to fall under the category of speculation, but I always felt like I understood him at a, the same frequency that my oldest son is. Anywho, um, I just feel like I can spot the Arcturians a million miles away. I thought I was an Arcturian for a while because my guide is Arcturian and my son is Arcturian, so it was a bit confusing, but... Uh, I'm definitely not Arcturian, and I would say that they are fairly uniform in the way that they present themselves to me. Okay, so little mini rundowns of these main ones. Yeah, there's so much variety in each of these groups. Um, and then there are so many groups that do not fall under these categories. I always will just have to say that. Like, I have definitely seen people who are connected to galactic aspects that don't correspond with the major star groups that or the major star systems that we normally hear about. So I just want to put that out there too. Anyways, there are many habitable realms. Like even if you take the NASA model of space where there are stars that are central sun, um, the central sun of a solar system, and there are planets within the habitable zone, which 
I don't even fucking know what that means. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. A habitable zone of a star? Why? According to like carbon-based life, there are many forms of life that are not carbon-based. Anyways, don't get me started with NASA. I started myself with NASA. Anyway, um, okay. So if we were to take that model, the NASA model, which I think is limited and flawed, but whatever, it's also beautiful. We know that the Pleiades is a cluster of seven major stars, seven main stars. There are other stars within that cluster. And also how many realms are there within that cluster that we know, like how many habitable planets around those seven main stars? Like there's so many different worlds. And then you think about the whole entire Milky Way galaxy, like, there are so many worlds. Okay, so starting with the Pleiadians. They are fifth to seventh dimensional beings according to what I have discovered and experienced myself through readings, like downloads, my own stuff, etc. That means that the level of consciousness that they, um, that their soul group emanates from, that their collective consciousness comes from, is the fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensions of consciousness. And they therefore create according to those rules, more or less. So they have these beautiful worlds. They're so beautiful. They're very similar to Earth. I believe that we see the Pleiadians here in such great numbers as starseeds because they are very similar to Earth, very, very connected. Many, many Pleiadians have come through stargates here. We have a long, long history together. And also because we are like the current version of humanity that now exists as a byproduct of the entry of Pleiadians through the stargates onto Earth. So the version of humanity that we are is is essentially a hybrid form. We are a hybrid. We're not... We are a combination of the original Earth humans who are still here, but in very depleted numbers. And most of them are in total hiding and we should just leave them the fuck alone. Um, We are a hybrid between that original human form and the Pleiadian forms, both of which had their own unique, beautiful magic and, you know, just came together and made it and created a whole new hybrid form of human beings. And that's who we are. Um, let me see. Also, the reason that we see so many Pleiadian starseeds here is because they have the particular medicine that is required as we on Earth, the current version of humanity that we understand and know and love ourselves to be, we are in the process of up-leveling to become third, fourth, and fifth dimensional consciousness. So we are expanding up into the fifth astral layer. And as such, the Pleiadians are the closest to us. They are the vibration that we are moving towards. So like I said, they carry a lot of the medicine that we need just by just simply in their vibration. So a lot of starseeds are Pleiadian, carrying that vibration. And it sucks because you 
have that level of consciousness and you come to earth and it's a different vibration here, it's, it's harder to be here because everybody on earth is not operating at that level of consciousness and we experience the imposed false level of amnesia that you know is programmed into humans on earth right now and so even though we're starseeds we spend a lot of our lives forgetting that we're starseeds and it just it's very alienating and very strange I can't really describe them because, like I said, there are so many different groups, but I'll say that almost all of them are humanoid. Of course, there are also many other animals and creatures and things that exist in their realm, but those creatures are not necessarily incarnating as starseeds. It's the humanoid Pleiadians that are incarnating as starseeds. The next most common group that I see is the Syrians, and you better believe the Syrians contributed to the, um, the hybrid version of humanity that we understand and know our, and love ourselves to be now. Like the current humans are also hybridized from the Syrian beings. So the Syrians are very much connected to Atlantis and ancient Egypt ancient Greece. Um, the Syrians are, they're mostly just hanging out. Like they're, they're sixth dimensional beings. So they're, they love to create from the sixth dimensional consciousness. That is just their sweet zone. Again, all beings have access to all the dimensions of consciousness, but that is, that is where they are happiest creating from. Again, they are extremely varied, but the ones that I see the most commonly are definitely humanoid and they are, they're just interesting because for example, they don't have pregnancies and a, a baby just phases in and it phases in, in the form of a baby in the sense that it's the simplest raw material form of itself, of its, its light body so that it can sculpt itself through its lifespan, much as we do here. We're just not doing it consciously. Do you know what I mean? Like we just, we're like, oh, here I just, I'm just in a body and life sucks and I'm just bumbling and fumbling along. But in the Syrian realm, they're operating at a higher dimensional level of consciousness. So they know the game. They know that this is like every incarnation is the opportunity to become a living dynamic sculpture you sculpt yourself over time and so that's what they do and they don't do pregnancy as I see they they just phase in as a baby a baby becomes formulated oh sorry you got the little edge of my cough there I've been working very hard to pause every time I have a coughing fit overcome me I'm still recovering from that brutal flu holy moly anyways <clears throat> so yeah they just phase in as a baby <laughs> it's very cool and they don't surprise you know it's not like oh surprise a baby's here there's a whole different process of conscious decision to have a baby you know what I mean like it's not the way that we experience it on earth either so don't be alarmed don't fear that um because you have a Syrian aspect a baby's just going to show up maybe it will I don't know but 
Probably not. Okay. So, uh, they're very intellectual where, okay. Whereas the Pleiadians are very, very, very heart centered. They are very heart centered and they are more feminine forward in their energy. Even though I see both males and females in the majority, I I would say almost all of the Pleiadian groups I've encountered there, it's still binary. I know people won't like that. Some people won't like that, but I do see it. It's still binary. Um, there are males and females and the, the energy of the consciousness is more on the feminine side first and masculine side second. The Syrians are the opposite. They're very intellectual, very cerebral as a group, and they are more in predominant masculine energy with the feminine behind but both of them are very balanced beautifully balanced which is one of the coolest things that we can learn from our connections with these star groups um both pleiadians and syrians have magic very unique forms of magic and that is where a lot of our magic comes from although i acknowledged when i was talking about the original earth humans they have a very unique, very beautiful magic. Like it is super deep and rich. The Pleiadians have their own magic. The Syrians have their own magic. And I mean magic, literally, I don't mean it as like, oh, every group is special. I mean like magic. Um... <laughs> the Syrians are the ones that I feel like I often see on ships. So when I'm doing readings for people, a lot like if they have a Syrian aspect or are Syrian starseeds, I tend to see them on ships a lot. Like they're the ones flying around being like pew 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 pew, pew like Star Wars. <laughs> uh and I, I mean, they're so diverse that it's very difficult to describe the Syrians properly. But I'll give you a little description of ones that I tend to see more commonly. They have bluish skin. Um, like I often see them with sort of a bluish colored skin and blackish eyes. Their hair is different from ours. Like the texture is different. The, it's, it makes it hard to describe their hair they look their facial features look very similar to humans but there's different proportions like you know for example the eyes may be bigger or the bone structure may differ or whatever but the it's not the same as like the typical sort of gray alien or like the little alien face emoji um like they have a mouth they have a nose they have eyes they have ears as i don't know i haven't looked to that degree of minutiae recently but when I'm like I'm connecting with somebody right now who's Syrian and that is what I see they look very similar to humans same with Pleiadians they Pleiadians have a, a, a lot of different skin colors but they are not really the same um, colors that we have on earth they are ranging more from like opalescent levels of white all the way into dusky purple so they seem to move through the pink the white pink purple zone but just remember that like if a different you know if somebody from a different realm was trying to tune in and describe the humans that exist on earth 
there's so much variety, (laughs) you know, like some people have almost translucently white skin and flaming red hair and like, you know, watery blue eyes and a bunch of freckles and they burn in the sun very easily. Whereas another group will have sort of like golden skin and I don't know, like I'll call it almond shaped eyes. I feel like that's a weird description, but you know what I mean? Those beautiful angular eyes and high cheekbones and straight onyx colored hair and another person will have like deepest black skin and like brown black eyes and do you know like there's so much variety on earth amongst humans and likewise there's it feels like there's even more variety in these realms because there are also we're not just talking about one planet whereas on earth I'm talking about the humans on one planet Okay, moving on to the Lyrans. Um, there's two principal groups that I see. One is very feline. Um, it's like a hybrid, angelic, almost like human angel bodies with big, big wings and a big lion head. And they are very feline in their energy. But there are also other feline beings that are not Lyran. And they have a t- totally different vibe the 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 lyran vibe is more like lions or mountain lions it's a very leonine energy and honestly these ones from my observation they're like big partiers they love partying they're partying all the time they're very social very very outgoing Like, I don't know if introverts exist in that realm, Um, but not shallow partying. I don't know. They just, they love music. They love all being together, all in one space. They love the the synergetic synthesis of being together in large groups. They love celebration and joy and, you know, yeah, yeah. They're also, they have a very strong leadership energy. They are, a lot of them are alphas. Like they are born leaders in their energy. A lot of us have Lyran guides. And then some of us have Lyran aspects too. And some of us can be Lyran starseeds, although I see that less frequently. But in the spirit baby channeling I did in 2022, a whole generation of Lyrans is like has like started to come in around 2021 you know there's not it's not like there was a date and from there on you know everybody before that wasn't Lyran but like roughly speaking every like 2021 through to about 2020 ooh maybe like 2023 maybe 2024. I can't quite remember, but it was a, a, a few years. It was going to be a few years that a ton of Lyran starseeds were being born onto earth. And they were like, move the fuck over y'all. Cause we come in with our leadership codes ready. They're these ones that I'm talking about. Very, very leader energy, very, very party energy. A lot of them are here to make waves and that doesn't necessarily mean that they all have extrovert personalities, Um, right from you know the jump but they definitely have an energy of you're going to have to accommodate me I am not really going to accommodate you because my whole role here is to advance 
the consciousness and advance the situation. Like I am not maintaining the status quo. So, you know, accommodate me basically. So also that might mean that they manifest as being very challenging babies. We can call them that challenging toddlers. The second Lyran group that I see, um, it, they're similar. There's a similar energy, but it's, it's a bit different. It's gentler. It's more removed. So there are Lyrans that are coming in like that too. Ben Carroll is a perfect example. And like, he has a very Lyran energy to me and I have a, a Lyran aspect as well. And it's this aspect that I'm talking about. And he and I both have this aspect. And so he and I and others like us, we're like hanging out in the same cloud realm. We have a higher dimensional aspect that is there in that cloud realm right now and feeding intel to the human, the human being that we are incarnated as here. So the Lyran world, that Lyran world that I'm talking about, we don't have lion heads that I see. We mostly look like humanoid, like we have wings, like winged humans. I honestly think this is where the idea of angels came from, like the, the imagery that we have, the sort of like, because there's the biblical description of angels, which is crazy when you read it. Um, and I feel like that is more accurate. It's, they're not totally accurate, but they are more of an accurate description of what I actually see in the angelic realm. They do not look like true angelics do not look human. So <laughs> there's, there's that description of angels. And then there's the one we're all more familiar with. It's more like picturesque like beautiful humans with big white wings wearing Grecian robes and playing harps and shit in the clouds. I think that's just the Lyran realm. That's the Lyran realm I'm in. I don't think those are angelic beings. <clears throat> the The Lyrans are seventh to 10th dimensional uh, beings. And I believe that the ones, I mean, they span all of the seventh to 10th dimension. But anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go down that line it's hard to describe but let me see if I can tune into it because a part of me is actually there the world looks like it's made of clouds billowing clouds but it's not clouds as we understand them on earth it's not like literal um, water droplet mist it is just that we're so very non-physical in that Lyran realm there is almost no solid structure. The most solid thing is our light bodies and the instruments that we play, or a lot of us sing um, in that realm. So that's where the idea of angelic choirs come from, is that Lyran realm. And it feels like what we're doing there is we are playing the musical score. It's a, it's a purely, it's almost exclusively music-based and it's all, it's like telepathic and we're all just producing music. Um, yeah. We're playing out the musical score that not only accompanies what is playing out in the whole entire astral expression of the universe, but we are playing the story. 
it's not an accompanying musical score. It is the story, but it isn't the story written into words. It is the story written into music and it's not written in advance. We are playing it in real time. That's the best way that I can describe it. I also feel like a lot of the light language that I bring through is from that aspect of myself. So I guess you could call me a Lyran starseed because I have this other dimensional Lyran counterpart, but I feel more accurately like I'm a Pleiadian starseed because that's where I come from. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I guess I'll just say this about the galactic groups. What I'm describing, um, I'm describing the galactic groups. Some of these galactic groups have a lot of emissaries currently incarnated on Earth as human beings, and that's what we call starseeds. So when I talk about the galactics, I'm talking about different groups that we might communicate with, different collectives. Some of us might have guides, like a lot of guides come from those places. A lot of us... um, a lot, a lot of you who come to me for readings don't actually have earth guides. Sometimes you do, but a lot of you have guides from these other galactic groups. The starseed, though, is you. So if you are a starseed, that means that your soul is more immediately connected to the oversoul of a different galactic collective. So just to give my own thing as an example... My soul is more immediately connected to the Pleiadians. So even though I have um, higher dimensional aspects, such as like I, hold on. Okay, I just had to collect my thoughts and make sure I bring this through clearly. So the entry point of my consciousness into this universe is up in the Andromedan realm, which feels to me like the 10th to 12th dimensional realm. I also have aspects beyond the 12th dimension, but that's outside of this universe, this universal soap bubble that we're in. So my soul comes down first into the Andromedan realm of those super high frequency dimensions. And then, then it sort of like descends down in a way into the Lyran um, realm, which is that seventh to 10th dimensional realm. And from there it passes down through and into the Pleiadian realm, which is the fifth to seventh. And then from there down into earth. So it's almost like I have to descend through these different layers so that I, the part of me that is truly trying to work here can can even be on earth. The difference between the Andromedan realm and the earth realm is so huge that it's almost like incompatible. So then I have to filter down and express as an incarnation in the Lyran realm and from like, and then from there drip down into the Pleiadian realm and express as an incarnation there. And from there I can drip down into the earth realm. Okay. And the reason that I call myself, for simplicity's sake, a Pleiadian starseed rather than a Lyran starseed is because it feels like the Pleiadian part of me is the one that chose to incarnate as Amy, whereas the Lyran part of me is still hanging out in Lyra right now, playing her harp. So hopefully that makes sense. And I want to be clear too that you can absolutely be 
a hybrid starseed. So you could be a Pleiadian Syrian hybrid starseed or a Syrian Arcturian hybrid starseed. That is totally possible. But in my case, it just feels more accurate to say that I am a Pleiadian starseed. That's the part of me that incarnated into this human avatar and I am connected to other coexisting parts of me in the Lyran realm, for example, and the Andromedan realm. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm, I hope I did a good job of presenting all of this. It's so hard to do because I can't just give you the simplified version. Like there are a million, you know, I don't know if BuzzFeed is even a thing anymore, but I remember back in the day, there were a million BuzzFeed quizzes. Like you can go places and find sort of the watered down abbreviated version of different star seeds and stuff and like the structure of the universe, all things like that. But I feel like that's where a lot of misunderstandings come from. When we just simplify it and we don't do our best to describe it in the most accurate way possible. And I know that some people's role is to just give you the bite-sized piece that you can easily take and digest in our busy world and our busy lives. But my role is to advance the conversation and speak into the nuances and sort of like tease apart the misunderstandings so that we can truly, really remember who we are. That's what I'm here for. So I hope that this conversation helped to clarify like the difference between timelines and the dimensions and the astral, but also gave you a little bit of exciting food for thought about some of the more common starseed groups. Again, there are so many more that I did not talk about because it would take literally hours. Um, and help to give you a little bit of clarity around the difference between the galactic groups versus being a starseed and hopefully furthering you on your path to understanding yourself. That's really my intention and my desire. If you loved any or all of this and you want more, here are the ways to scratch that itch, my friends. So first up is the avatar. The avatar is beginning tomorrow, February 6th. I am so excited. It is my high level group mentorship program and it is the place to be if you are so fucking ready to get clear on your mission, your soul mission, your soul purpose, and to start moving in those directions. And if you would love to connect with the galactic groups and your starseed um, self, like your starseed realm, your galactic, like any guides, or I kind of call them like peers. It's like having galactic contemporaries and have personal experiences with it. Like I will guide you to learn how to connect to them yourself and have personal experiences. The reason that I called it the avatar is because my intention for this program is to guide you and support you in allowing this body to become the vessel, the avatar for these higher dimensional aspects of yourself so that you aren't just here living a random directionless human life, doing whatever, but instead you are here very, very intentionally. You're very mission-oriented. You're very much here on purpose to utilize this incarnation for the advancement of something bigger, even if you don't know right now what that is. And that something bigger has a 
a very big ripple effect. You're part of a much bigger story that's playing out. And again, I think I said this last week, but it bears repeating. You don't have to like have a spiritual business to do this. You don't have to be called to start a podcast. You don't have to be called to start some kind of spiritual service business or be on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. If you're somebody that would way rather fly under the radar, you can do that. And you can totally work in corporate and fucking love working in corporate and absolutely be on a mission. A lot of people are on what I would call undercover missions, like meant to be in the corporate environment, in the service industry, in the manufacturing industry, or in the medical system, or the justice system, etc. And then equally, like no hate and no shame to stay at home spouses, like people who are on, you know, if you are not working, like your work in the career sector or job, whatever is, does not determine your worthiness, you know, or, or your amazing, like higher dimensional badassery. You could be recovering from an intense car accident or something over the last two years and be called to this program. It is for you. Okay. It's about you and what you remember about yourself. And that's where I come in. That's what I'm good at is helping you to remember. So the avatar, it's a 12 week journey. Very excited. It's an intimate group. And this is like my inner circle. This is the way that you would get the most access to me as I take a long break from doing personal Akashic readings. This is where you would get that particular itch scratched, basically. You get to talk to me about your stuff, have me go into your Akashic records. You get to um, witness and hold space for others and have company along your journey with other people who are down to have the same kind of conversations that you are. There's just so much magic here. There's a lot to be discovered. I can't wait. I'm celebrating everyone who's joined and we start again tomorrow, Tuesday, February 6th. at the time that I record this. If it is calling to you, you can absolutely still hop in. Next up, we have Into the Akasha. It's open for enrollment for this final live round that I am running. So this is my program where I teach you how to go into the Akashic Records and read it. So you access it and then read it, which means you access it and then you learn how to understand what you are, you know, what you're getting. In this round, I'm going to be talking again about the 12 dimensions, the soul's journey, and we're going to be unlocking your psychic abilities and learning to read the Akashic Records and figuring out your blocks. Because to be honest, people do have blocks. We all do. I did. I still do. We all have blocks. It's part of the process. And we just figure out what the blocks are and how to move through them so that you can actually have your own reliable experience of reading the Akashic Records for yourself and for others. That is my goal. So that starts on February 20th. I'm super excited. It's eight weeks. Um, like I said, <clears throat> this is the last time that I'm going to run it live. If you're interested in Into the Akasha, but you're on the fence, like you're just not certain, 
I just hosted a very thick, very juicy free masterclass about reading the Akashic Records last week. So you can, if you missed that, you can sign up to receive the replay um, to watch. And the link for that is in the show notes as well as on my website. It is the perfect place to start if you're curious, but you're unsure. Oh, and I also added a new payment plan for Into the Akasha. So check it out, my friends. Like I said, I will not be reteaching Into the Akasha again. By the time I'm done this one, I know it's going to be truly perfected and there's not going to be a benefit in me running it live again. So if you want to get in on all the sparkly live Amy Akashic vibes, this is the time to do it. It's going to be truly phenomenal is my absolute like dedication to support you in every way that I can to unblocking yourself and accessing the Akashic Records. I do not want this to just be some other program that you spend money on and you try and it doesn't work. You got to meet me halfway, of course, you know, like I, but I'm here to work with you. And surprise, if you have ever bought into the Akasha before, like on Black Friday uh, this past year or the year previous, if you took any of the previous rounds at all, or you just bought it on like, you know, self-study, you will automatically be given access to join this live round and lifetime access to all the replays of this live round. Final thing I want to say about it is that as soon as you sign up, uh, whatever payment plan or painful, however you want to do it, you instantly get access to like the last two rounds of Into the Akasha. So there's a huge library of calls for you to dive into right away. And I do recommend going into them so that you can like be in the vibes of it before we even start. So that starts February 20th. Love to see you in it. If you want the masterclass, the free masterclass, then use the link in the show notes or go to my website. Last but not least... I have a live event coming up called Galactic Gateway. It is happening on February 16th. It is a one-time live event, meaning it's not a course. It's not being dripped out over multiple weeks. It's one big-ass live event where I'm going to teach you how to activate your Galactic Gateway Chakra that allows you to connect with these other dimensional groups, these galactic groups. And I'm going to go into great detail about the different star seeds and galactic groups that I've connected with. So everything I couldn't say here on this podcast episode, because already, as you can see, it's taken me so long to even lay the foundations for it. Like I'm, that's why it's one great big, huge event, because it's going to take me a long time to go into it. I'm holding it live. You are welcome to attend live. You certainly do not have to stay for the whole live thing, but I am going to give it to you like everything that I have collected about these different galactic groups. So that's um, diving deep into the Pleiadians, the Syrians, the Lyrans, the Arcturians, the Andromedans, the Manted Beings, the Avians and the Moths, the Angelics, the Dracos, the Reptilians, the Orions and more, so much more. And then additionally, I'm going to really pull back the curtain and share with you my clearest detailed description of these worlds and the energy of the different beings in the different worlds 
and talk more about what they look like and what the worlds look like and all that kind of stuff. So if you love Starseed Talk, you love Galactic Collectives, then Galactic Gateway is totally going to be up your alley. It is on super ultra discount right now. So take advantage of that. The price is definitely going to go up because it is hefty. It is a hefty, hefty, hefty event that I'm creating here. It is taking a lot for me to create it, but it's going to be phenomenal. So those are the three ways that you can come play with me in all this fun energy and advance your understanding in any of these areas. Of course, there's always the things on my website to check out if none of these really speak to you, but you just want to check out what else I have available. And as usual, all the links are in the show notes. They should be also on my website. They're coming out via email as appropriate. They're definitely accessible in my Instagram bio, the little link in my bio. So check it out. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here with me. I hope this episode served you and I hope you have an amazing week. Have a beautiful day or night, my friends, and I will catch you on the next episode.